It's the 14th of April, 2022. Now we have this opportunity to train these minds of ours through developing mindfulness and making our samadhi firm. And we do this, we cultivate samadhi so that it's um, strong within the mind, firmly there within the mind and create this samadhi so that it's very stable and strong as well. And perhaps this reaches to the point of kanaka samadhi, this kind of minor form of samadhi, or upajara samadhi, neighborhood samadhi, or apana, access samadhi. And so samadhi develops in stages like this. And samadhi, this collectedness of mind, it helps to develop wisdom. So like all of us sitting meditating here, we all have sila, whether the five precepts, the eight precepts, the ten precepts, the 227 precepts. And we also have mindfulness while we're sitting here, the sila virtue there within our hearts already. And that's because we are composed through body, speech and mind already. And so our sila for all of us is even, it's equal. And so when we sit down to meditate like this, and we put down all of the sense objects from outside, we don't let our minds go out to anything. The things of the past, we lay that down. Any speculation about the future, what will happen, what it's going to be like, we lay that aside. And we establish our mindfulness in this present moment. And the Buddha taught us to bring up mindfulness here in this present moment. And when we can do that a lot, really establish mindfulness here, increase that so that it connects up, so that it becomes constant, then we'll gain a good understanding into this practice. And all of the doubts that we normally have steadily reduce. So these doubts are an obstruction, and they're an obstacle which doesn't let us reach goodness or samadhi, it doesn't arise. And there are these five hindrances, obstacles there, they're hindrances towards the arising of samadhi, and they've been friends of ours for a very long time now. The mind has been associating with these five hindrances, uh, for a long time. And so there is liking and disliking, anger and will, ill will, and the scatteredness of mind, restlessness, and there's drowsiness, and also doubts about all kinds of things. And these five objects within the mind, they're constantly turning over in the heart, not allowing for us to experience inner peace. And if these five hindrances increase and increase, then problems can arise for our health, both our physical and mental health. So we need to train our minds to put down these hindrances, to put down all external objects. But what's left is the internal objects there within the mind, 
this speech or chatter that goes on in the heart. And this is a Dhamma, a Ramana. This too is something that we should have mindfulness over and know. And there are meritorious and demeritorious forms of this. When the mind proliferates, this is Sankara, this is caused by avijja. This ignorance is the cause for Sankaras to arise. So we should know this, that this is the nature of the mind to be like this, and we're not yet able to control that. But we also need to put in our efforts as well to abandon any unskillful thing, any unwholesome thing that arises. We put effort there to abandon that. And if it comes up again, we put an effort again to put that down. Any skillful qualities that have arisen, we put in our efforts to practice in line with those, to nurture those, take care of them. Any unskillful quality that is yet to arise, we put effort into not allowing that to arise. And we develop our meditation like this. So while we are cultivating samadhi, within that activity inherently is putting down unskillful objects, uh, cultivating merit, bringing skillfulness to completion. And when the mind is well settled in peace and we contemplate and seeing all things as anicca, dukkha, anatta, as constantly changing and stressful and not self, then we become weary of all of those things. Because we see the nature of conditioned phenomena is like this. It's of the nature to change. It can't endure. It's stressful. We can't control it. And so it's not a self. And this, seeing this, is the path to seeing the Dhamma, the path to realizing Nibbana. So this word Nibbana, we hear this often. Nibbana, Nibbana. What is that? Well, it's coolness. We see if the mind is ill at ease, then it's in a hot and agitated state due to the presence of greed, hatred and delusion, which are the roots of all defilements. So when we practice, we're trying to abandon this greed, hatred and delusion. And to the degree in which we are successful um, in abandoning those defilements, that's the degree to which we will feel inner coolness, which is Nibbāna. And we carry on practicing in that way until we see clearly into the nature of these conditioned physical and mental things, how they truly are <coughs> inconstant and suffering and not self. And thereby we see the Dhamma. In the beginning it's normal for practitioners to pick up a certain method of the practice, but for them not to get immediate results. And they carry on practicing and don't see results appearing, and so they become disheartened. We listen to the teachings of the great teachers, and they say that this practice is like planting a tree. We put that tree planted in the ground, and we water it every day and give it fertilizer. But then we wonder, well, how much has it grown? And so we pull it out from the ground to look at its roots and wondering how much have its roots grown. And then we plant it in the soil again and then dig it up again. And if we do that a number of times, then the tree just ends up by dying. 
So when we take up a meditation object, we should have confidence in that object. If we're using buddho, dhammo, sangho, we're watching the breath, we just practice that a lot. And as we carry on doing that, carry on doing that, then the mindfulness becomes consistent and samadhi becomes well established. But we also see how there are some practitioners who practice and as they carry on practicing, they carry on doubting. They just carry on going like that. And even and if the mind can get peace, get into kanaka samara, samadhi or upajara samadhi, um, then those doubts get relieved to a degree. But when the mind doesn't have that samadhi and mindfulness is not there, then these doubts, they come back in full force again. And then we wonder, well, is this really the path that's going to take us to seeing the Dhamma? These kinds of, kinds of doubts arise. So for myself, I experienced this a lot. There were many doubts. It was a lot of struggling. And I would look at the monks around me, and they all looked so calm and still and peaceful. And I thought, well, they, they don't have to go through these doubts like I do. Why do they not um, have so many of these doubts? Why is my mind so disturbed, so chaotic like this? Why do I just keep doubting about everything? And so the mind wasn't peaceful. But then even when there was peace, um, there could still be these thoughts coming up. Is this really going to take me to clear understanding? So when the great teachers um, teach, what they teach is the correct path of practice, to look at these minds, to be caring for these minds. Because normally when we experience a sense object, then there's liking or disliking towards that. And something that Ajahn Chah would emphasize frequently was the practices which are never wrong. And so these are um, the raising of effort, uh, knowing moderation in eating, and being restrained over the senses. And so when we have the sense of restraint and we experience a sense object, and then the mind doesn't get into liking or disliking. And this is upeka, equanimity. And as that grows and grows, then there's happiness and joy that arises. And then this joy grows until it becomes a factor of awakening. And there's also the samadhi factor of awakening, upeka, a factor of awakening. All of these are contained there within this practice. So if we read the scriptures, then it separates all of these factors out into kind of very detailed aspects of what qualities allow us to understand the Dhamma. And there's the um, Noble Eightfold Path. There's the seven factors of awakening, the four bases of power, the five faculties, the five powers. And so do we see how many there are. And then we think that we need to look at all of these different aspects and practice each one um, in turn. 
But really what we do is just have a lot of mindfulness. We put our effort into speaking little. And if we speak little, then we're able to meditate a lot. If we speak a lot, then we meditate just a little bit, and our mind gets sent out a lot. And what it gets sent out to is issues, all concerned with me and mine. So therefore we need to train these minds well, establish our mindfulness, be restrained, be cautious. When the eye sees a form, and we like that form, then we tell ourselves, this is not sure. If we dislike it, we tell ourselves, this is not sure. And we tell ourselves how this form that we're seeing, it's a temporary thing, it has to change. It's like how we see some countries are very developed, and they look very attractive, places we want to go to, but that's not sure as well. Because if a war arises, then no one wants to be there, no one wants to live there. People flee from that country. So if the heart likes something, tell ourselves this is not sure. If we dislike something, it's not sure. And right here is where the Dhamma is. This is something that Ajahn Chah would repeat very often. So if we tell ourselves this is not sure and our hearts accept, then that's enough. There's no need to explain further. And so like when I explain some things to some practitioners, give some suggestions, and sometimes I just need to suggest a little bit and they understand already. For other people, I need to explain a lot in order for them to understand. So therefore, for all of us, we should try to walk on this noble path. In the time that we have left in this life, which is not a long time. Maybe we're 50 years or older already. And so how long then do we have left if we live to the age of 80? It's not many years. So we should try to use the time that we do have to raise up goodness. <coughs> Virtue and generosity are probably things that we're good at already. And through them we feel a sense of joy in the heart. And we see the people who do these very often, who are virtuous, who are generous, that they feel this happiness and that inspires them to be more virtuous and more generous. And these are the qualities of people who have faith. But a level of practice that's even better than this is meditation, it's cultivation of the mind, and it's something that's very important. And for those of us who are interested in meditation, um, that shows that we have a lot of merit. And so maybe we have some days off, three days or five days, and we use those to really set ourselves on the practice. And I too had these kinds of thoughts before I ordained. I, when I was a layperson, I was interested in practicing like this. In the days that I had off, I'd try to practice more than usual listen to the Dharma, sit in meditation, try to compose my mind. And through this, I could see into the nature of conventions and see into liberation as well. And see how all things are just conventions. And then the mind changed. Usually we look at external change in the world. And this is just concerned with things outside of us. But that doesn't change our minds. 
and things get developed a lot externally. And so there's a lot of change through that development. But then when things are so prosperous like this, when difficulties arise, there can be a lot of suffering. And Ajahn Chah once mentioned this. He said, well, everyone has electricity these days. They have electric fans, they have air conditioning. But if there's a period where they don't have electricity, where the electricity gets cut, then everyone falls into hell. So that's what it's like these days. If um, the electricity just goes out for a bit, then it's like everyone becomes disabled. The whole world becomes disabled. And that's because there's this external development, but within that there's also deterioration. And it is just external development, it's not the development of the mind. It's not development through Dhamma. And if we're going to develop our hearts, we do that through meditation, through walking, through sitting, doing this a lot, bringing up mindfulness a lot. And in the end we will see into conventions and into liberation and see the Dhamma, see how all things are anichang, dukkang, anatta, and seeing the Dhamma. So we set our hearts on practicing like this. And this is not something that's above our capabilities. It's not above our energy. So we just carry on going without stopping. And Ajahn Chah once gave a talk about this. He said how some people, they, they put in their efforts, they carry on going, but they also carry on doubting at the same time. And even if they carry on doubting and carry on putting an effort, they'll get there all the same. And even though he gave this Dhamma talk to many, many people, I had the feeling like he was teaching me personally. That's the feeling that I had in the heart because it was a teaching that was so appropriate for me. I had so many doubts, but I kept on practicing. And it got to the point where even if I wanted to doubt, I couldn't give rise to doubts. When doubts came up, then I would often turn to the scriptures and then my doubts would be relieved a bit. But there would still be this chaos there within the mind. There wasn't any peace. So we just have to put these things down. Anything concerned with the past, concerned with the future, we put that down. And we just stay with Buddha or Dhammo or Sangha, and this works. And we just stay with that if that brings about peace. We don't need a lot of different things, many different methods or objects. Because if we have all kinds of different things, then we have a lot of chaos as well. But the problem is when our hearts don't believe in it. We think that we need other methods, we need to turn to other things. We recite Buddha and we become tired of that. We don't want to be reciting these mantras. We don't want to be contemplating. And our minds don't become peaceful. So it's just like that tree we planted in the ground. And our duty is to uh, give it fertilizer and to water it and to look after it. But 
for that tree to grow, well that growing is the duty of the tree itself. So we bring up a lot of mindfulness and use that mindfulness to take care of the mind. And as we carry on doing that, then peace will become established in the heart. And then after peace is there, then the Buddha nature will appear within our minds. And see all things as anatta, as not-self. You see Buddha there within everything. And so there isn't really anything. It's just pure emptiness. But it's our minds that go and attach to all these things, as being me, as belonging to me. This is my country, that's your country. And so the whole world turns to chaos. So we need to come back to developing goodness. This opportunity that we have now is very good. We've got this time off work. Or during the Lunar Observance Days, we use that opportunity to meditate, to practice like this. As we go on practicing in this way, then in no long time we will see the Dhamma. So may you set your hearts on this. <laughs>